Today's episode of Welcome to Valhalla is brought to you by our great friends over at Parkway Poorhouse. If you're in the Chattanooga area, need a spot to grab some wings, maybe a little Cajun food, come on down to Parkway. If you want to come watch a game, it's the best place to watch any sort of sporting event. We've had watch parties for Braves, Preds, Titans, Balls, all of it. Come down, have a good hang, get some good grub. Uh, today, Mike Pipe and I are going to be talking a little bit uh, of football and basketball. Uh, I'm going to go with the big four questions this week. Number one, how did Jeremy Pruitt go from extension to hot seat? I wrote that article on Tuesday, threw that out there. We're going to talk a little bit more extensively on it in the pod. Number two, kind of an extension from that is why is JG still a starting quarterback at the University of Tennessee? Question that literally everybody wants to know. Uh Basketball question. How good does this basketball team have to be to kind of cure your heart from the Tennessee football season? So what's it going to take for Ricky B and the boys to help you out there? And one day on a fun little note this week and maybe spin your wheels because this will be a tough question. You could only watch one Tennessee football matchup for the rest of your life. Just one a year. What would that game be? So let's hop into the pod, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Valhalla. What's up, buddy? How are you, Mike Pipe? Man, living the dream over here in Knoxville. Um, you know, just another great week of football that we just got to watch. So fired up for um, this bye week. We're going to get a dub. And uh, we'll head into that Arkansas game ready to play, hopefully. I really hope so, man. This has been um, very frustrating from <laughs> top to bottom. Uh, every comment, every like seems to either be laughter or people, you know, are appreciating what myself or Mike have to say, uh, different Mike, um, in the articles, people have been livid on both sides, either protecting Pruitt or hating Pruitt. Oh man, this has been hostile territory. This, our fan base is in like the weirdest emotional state. I was telling Trey, it sounds like, you know, it's like this weird side where you're, you're, you have two kids and both sides are picking out which side they want to be on in a divorce. Like it's crazy, man. I, yeah. I can't even, can't even describe how upset everybody is on both sides. And it is a weird spot because wrote the article a couple days ago and I asked the question, I said, how do we get from extension to hot seat in what, three weeks? So mm, it's really weird, man, because when you when you're doing good, everybody's like, oh, we're doing we're you know, we're progressing. We're two and oh, that South Carolina win wasn't beautiful, but Missouri, you know, Tennessee looked good yeah. in pretty much all facets. Mm hmm. And then once you start losing, even though it's even though it's George, even it's game, two two of the three games are games you did not expect to win, and one of them was like a, well maybe if you especially if you're looking from the beginning of the season perspective, right? People were like, well we should beat Kentucky, but it's not a hundred percent guarantee, right? So uh, it's strange that you know after a couple losses, people are really starting to highlight all the negativities in Pruitt's games and what's gone on so far. So, so far, buddy, um, which kind of side are you on? Are you leaning one way or the other? Do you think Pruitt's the right guy? Do you think we got to give him time? 
those are kind of the two fan base that laid out. So where are you at? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, uh, Tennessee just has to kind of lay in their bed um, that they've made for themselves. We've just given Jeremy Pruitt a contract extension. Um, so I think you can get into kind of what's right or what's wrong. Is Jeremy Pruitt the guy? For me, it's kind of frustrating seeing fans um, kind of go out and just – I'm okay with people expressing frustrations because I think that's legitimate. But if you're calling for Jeremy Pruitt's head right now, I don't I don't know that that's the right answer. I think given the circumstances with COVID this year, this hasn't been a normal season. Um, and then the fact that you just extended him to through 2025, regardless of whether you think that was a good decision or not, I think you got to roll with him through the rest of this year and then the rest of next um, and then make the assessment at the end of the year, um, uh, I guess at the end of the 2021 season. So, you know, for me, I'm not really convinced at this point that Jeremy Pruitt's the guy to lead the program forward in the next decade. Um, but I do think that he's kind of the guy that we're stuck with. And rather than jump out on him now and call for him to be fired, I think you just kind of have to roll and see what, what you got. Um, last season, we saw Tennessee get off to a really weak start, uh, but they kind of turned it around the second half of the year. It certainly doesn't look like that's the direction that this team is headed, but um, I don't think many people would have predicted us to pop off eight straight uh, between the last six games of last year and the first two games of this year. So I'm not out on Jamie Pruitt yet. Uh, there's definitely – you know, big areas for concern, the fact that he can't seem to manage the quarterback room or find a guy that's, um, I don't know, more equipped to handle the pressures of college football, the pressures of the SEC than Jarrett Garantano. Certainly discouraging. The fact that he's a defensive guy and our defense looks like maybe it's regressed from last season to this season. Also a cause for concern. But again, I mean, we haven't had time to practice and prepare like a lot um, of the other programs have had because Knoxville does have stricter contract or contact tracing um limitations that it places on the program than other cities across the southeast um but beyond that beyond the excuses i think it's just a weird season and you gotta just continue to roll and see what you got um and you can kind of make the make the call down the line i just don't think now is the time to make any final judgments yeah i mean even like going to like a if you're looking at financials i mean even the buyout situation you don't even want to get back in that again we're finally paying off Butch in February of next year. Man, how many bouts we have, and <clears throat> even through basketball and football, um, we've just kind of gone through the coaching carousel. And I don't know, man. It's uh, it's not a place I still want to stay in. It's like I, I know that's that's a lot of these comments that I got, and was I'm tired of firing and hiring coaches, and then paying like being in this weird coaching debt. You know, it's like we're paying off everybody's homes and whatnot. And I mean, Butch doesn't even have to have a real job right now. He's just down there being a personal assistant basically for Nick Saban, but still getting paid $8 million. It's like, golly bum, man. Like, yeah, we can't keep doing that crap. And Dooley was basically Des Bryant's babysitter down there. And Dallas is a (laughs) wide receiver, air quote, wide receivers coach. And yet still paying that guy. We were obviously that's over now, but still frustrating. Um, like some of these comments I was looking at, it's, you know, if you're on the Pruitt still needs time fan base, um, it's if he puts Jarrett out there, he's the right guy. He's just a quarter. Or if you want to spin it to a different way, it's like he's only a quarterback away. Everybody else feels pretty secure about most of their spots and how some have progressed and some have regressed, but they feel like he's only a quarterback away. And also, like to to your point, like the COVID thing has really hampered a lot of this stuff. And everybody's like, "Well, you know, everybody else is going through it. It's not the same." 
Um, COVID really has hampered this team. And that, that is a point was everybody else has kind of gone through COVID situations as well, but Knoxville's has been pretty strict. And to another point, look where we at last year. I mean, Georgia state BYU is a absolute choke job. Don't give up a deep pass. What do you do? You give up a deep pass fourth and 14 or something like that. We were sitting there, right. We were sitting in the end zone right behind there, sitting there watching that. And I was like, we're going to give this up. I knew it was going to happen. I knew we were going to lose that game. As in the situation, I was like, this is this is an absolute disaster waiting to happen right here. I know it's going to happen. And it did. <laughs> and uh, Trey Wynn and I sat there and just sulked for a good long while. But, you know, turned it around and won off, you know, six in a row in the SEC and eight, eight straight total games. So maybe there's a little... Magic left in that bottle for for last half of the season run, but I don't know. That seems like a lot. I, I guess for me, I'm not I'm not on the side of Pruitt isn't the guy yet, but I also can kind of see where I don't know how high his ceiling is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, where do you go? Like, do you go from? Are we getting? Like, is his ceiling maybe? maybe 10 wins with like the perfect team. I, I don't know. I don't even know if I, it's really tough for me to say that he's going to get there. Cause I mean, to be on the, the little devil's advocate side, it's <laughs> the guy's lost 12 of his first 30 games by 21 points or more. Yeah. It's a lot. That's a lot for a defensive guy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Obviously you have to put some sort of stock into the outcome, but I don't I don't necessarily put a ton of weight into those results just because I think everybody understood when he was losing those games in the first two years that it was the state of the program um, mm-hmm. that Butch left it in. And obviously, everybody wants to cite, oh, you know, well, Butch only lost six games by 21 points or more in the same stretch, and Dooley only lost six games by 21 points or more in the same stretch. Um, you know, I just, I, to me, I think... Obviously, the results at, up to like this season haven't been up to par. But I think before that, knowing where the program was, I think we can all agree that the first two seasons, Jeremy Pruitt built the program in a positive direction. You know, I don't think anybody exactly. would have questioned that after year one. Maybe you question it halfway through year two, but by the end of year two, I think everybody's in agreement this program is heading in the right direction. Now, obviously, we haven't gotten the results we want this season, but again, for me. There's a big asterisk asterisk on this season. I mean, it's just it is what it is. It's COVID. I know other teams have had to deal with it, um, but I mean, Knoxville is one of the biggest cities in the SEC, and I think with that, we have had tighter regulations. And people will tell you that across the media and across um, Knoxville that cover Tennessee sports. That I mean, it's it's been tough, and we've had the guys sit out a lot of practice. I mean, Wanya Morris sat out almost an entire month. Um, and then you got a guy like Nick Saban that gets actually gets Corona and then is back on the sideline for four or five days. So I don't know. Hey, those are three positive tests or three negative tests. Yep. Watch it. That's Nick Saban. He's the fearless leader of Alabama. Right. Somehow, somehow, some way that dude comes up with three negative tests and the perfect amount of time for him to get back. Yep. Bunch of malarkey. Yeah. I mean, th- and that's the thing. I mean, you think Tuscaloosa is going to be as tough as Knoxville is on contact tracing? Uh, Heck no. No, absolutely not. So, I mean, for me, it's like, do I love what I've seen from Jeremy Pruitt up to this point? No. Do I think that he's the guy going forward? 
I don't know. The verdict's still out, in my opinion. But I'm also not going to make sweeping judgments just because his first two years weren't great, and then he's had a weak start in this COVID year. I think I, I think most people still like the kind of guy he is, the way he runs the program. I think part of the reason that you're not having the immediate success is because of the culture that he's trying to build, and we'll talk more about that later. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not somebody that's out on him just because of how it's gone. Um, just in the first, I don't know, first 30 games, I think the program honestly was in a pretty, pretty terrible spot when he inherited it. Um, and I think, I honestly think the culture was absolutely trash because I think that Butch Jones did not run the program the way that a program should be run. And I think Jeremy Pruitt's trying to do a lot of the right things. I don't know if it'll work out for him, but I do think that he is trying to build a good culture within the program. And I think that that takes time. Yeah, 100%. And that's the, that's a big thing is you got to look at situationally. I'm just reiterating your point that he walked into an absolute dumpster fire and with guys that were like not used to working hard. I mean, you've just heard multiple comments throughout. It's like, oh, when Pruitt got here, I wasn't, we weren't expecting this or it got way more competitive. Yep. You can see who wasn't yep. mentally tough enough. And I don't think, I mean, it's, that's a thing to, about Butch was I don't think he like instilled that crazy mental toughness. And I think he recruited very talented guys, but I don't mm-hmm. think that he wound up, you know, really pushing them to brinks and being a certain way about being a football guy. You know, that's it's one of those things that when when they pick Pruitt, well, kind of pick Pruitt. I don't know how you're going to really measure that, as he was about 29th on the list, but it worked out. Okay, we got a coach. But I was just just kind of looking around like the type of person, the way they sound like they run practice, totally different, totally different. And these guys like, you know, regiments, different little things like that off the rails compared to what they were doing. So those those guys are finally about filtered out. Bring in Pruitt's guys. You just got to give them a little bit more time, because especially with this year being what it is. I don't know. It's uh it's a lot to to figure out and have to like dissect situationally because of who Pruitt was dealing with, what the state of the program was, dealing with this fan base. Love Tennessee fans. But when you walk into this and you walk into basically if you're you know, if you're involved in any sort of Twitter or Facebook you're walking into just absolute flames and infer- you know an inferno of anger. It's heartbreaking to watch like what people are saying to to these kids and whatnot. But whew, you know it's getting better. Um, I think that second half of the season is going to prove a lot. You know, you go you go four and one, and one of those wins might be Florida. Mm-hmm. That's a dang good season. You know, it's like, oh, it's about where we thought we were going to be. Right. So that's where the thing is, is, you know, he's got time to turn around to do what he wants with it. Um, But this bye week and that Arkansas game is going to tell a lot because you lose that Arkansas game. And I know they're, they're, they're playing better. They're a better team than people thought. They're not the losers that they were last year. They're not great. And they're definitely a, we should win that game kind of game, but I'm going to tell a lot for him. Yep. Also, let's uh, get to the probably the real question why he's on some sort of hot seat in some people's mind. The quarterback situation, Mr. Mike Piper. Yep. 
And just wondering, why is Jared Gorantano, Gorantano, sorry, starting at quarterback? You know, I think it's a great question, and I'm excited to kind of dive into that uh, this week. I'm going to write an article. Um, so if you're interested in hearing more about that, then I'll cover a little bit more whenever I sit down and write this week. But, um, yeah, I think the thing that Tennessee fans um, know about Jeremy Pruitt, again, is that he has pushed this team to work harder than they've ever worked before. Um, and after the game on Saturday, he was interviewed by um, the media, and, and he was just talking – honestly answering some questions like, why aren't you playing some younger guys? Why aren't you giving more people more opportunities given how the team has performed um, over these last few weeks? And he just kind of answered. He was like, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, the players know who earned the opportunities during the week uh, at practice. And, you know, for me to go in and reward guys that weren't working hard, um, that weren't earning those snaps at practice, he's like that, that's going to basically reward people that aren't really putting in the effort to get the program where it needs to be. So for me, I see a coach that is willing to die on this hill of whoever's working the hardest throughout the week, weekend and week out. Those are going to be my guys. Those are the guys that I'm going to roll with. Um, and I think that it's honestly a hill that he very well could die on because I think that all of us can see Garantano isn't working. Um, but apparently he's the guy that does best in practice I mean, he's long been known as kind of a practice all-star and then a guy that can't really seem to put it all together um, on game day. So it's frustrating, and I, I, you know, part of me hopes that Pruitt would change his mind on that, but you do understand where he's coming from and maybe seeing it as an opportunity to, um, I don't know, just show the guys that, hey, if you show up, if you work hard, those are the guys that I'm going to roll with, and those are the guys that are going to get the playing time here at the University of Tennessee. And I think it goes back to what we were saying about Butch Jones, the culture that he established in Knoxville. I mean, he made promises to guy on the recruiting trail, and then it didn't matter what they did. They were playing. I think Jalen Hurd was that kind of guy. I mean, obviously a talented guy, played well, but I think that's the reason he played ahead of Kamara. I don't think it was a talent thing. I think he made promises to Jalen Hurd, and Jalen Hurd was going to be the RB1 no matter what. Um, I mean, I, I, that's more of just speculation. I don't have any insider information on that. But, I mean, I've heard some interesting theories, and, and there is a temptation, I guess, to believe those because it, it's frustrating yeah. seeing him continue to go back to um, to Garantano after all the interceptions and poor performance. He's a fifth-year senior, um, and, you know, you got Harrison Bailey in the wings. You got Maurer, who could honestly be pretty good quarterback, got a lot of upside, you know, probably pretty low floor as well. But um, I don't know. I, I think – <laughs> one of the things that I've, I've read this week, uh, I've read that oh, uh, Jeremy Pruitt's tired and that he just wants to try to get his buyout and he's actually trying to self-sabotage himself out of the Tennessee job. <laughs> um, I don't think that's it. He, <laughs> I, I've read that. I'm trying to think of other crazy things that I've read. Um, I, I, I do think, I did read that maybe he's been blackmailed by Jarrett Garantano. Like maybe... <laughs> I don't know if something happened, kind of like the incident in Alabama where he yanked his face mask. Obviously, I don't think that stuff's true. But, I mean, it does kind of cause you to ask questions when you see a guy continuing to perform so poorly and the coach is so unwilling to walk away from him as quarterback. Um, but I, th I think, honestly, he's trying to set the tone for the culture that he wants to build here in Knoxville. And I think that's something that, if it pays off, I think that, you know, that could ultimately – set the tone for the program for the next two, three, four, five years, if he can get through this storm. 
But in taking the stand, he's ultimately shortening his leash in Knoxville because fans are growing increasingly frustrated with the stubbornness and refusal to play anybody else other than Garantano at quarterback. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's kind of a snippet of what I'll talk about in the article. I'll probably touch on some of the funnier things that I've heard as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, it's it's frustrating. I'm, I'm with everybody that watches and just doesn't see why you would continue to roll them in. But we also don't see what's going on Monday or, or I guess Sunday through Friday. Um, and we don't see what's going on inside the practice facility. So, um, yeah, I mean – We'll see. We'll see how it goes, works out moving forward. But if that I'm is worried. what's going on, if that's really the rationale behind Garantano, I can respect a coach that's willing to you know stick to his guns and say, hey, if you're wanting to play on Saturdays, you're going to have to show up and fight for it in practice. Yeah, that's got to be a big, tough situation, especially with, once again, not to bash the fan base, but – this fan base does have a little power and it's loud. It's very loud. It's very obnoxious. It's very frustrated. So I worry about how much influence does that have? You know, especially with a guy like Fulmer. That's a very strong willed dude. He's been through the ringer, obviously not to the same extent with social media and media, what it is today. I mean, not even close really, but you know, that was a, he was a part of, one of the most popular programs in the nineties, you know, if there were a lot of media members around, it was probably at Tennessee for the longest time. So at least he has an understanding. Um, and he understands where it was, what the situation was when Jeremy got here. So they've stuck with each other. Um, I'm with you. I just think there's so much that goes on that we don't even see. And I know, you know, with Bailey being out, for multiple weeks um, due to contact tracing and different little things, definitely not getting the practice reps through the off season. Like there's a lot out there. It's like, do you really want to, to burn this guy and, you know, make him make mistakes. That's, that's, that's when I keep going back and forth on in that situation is like, yeah, you know, you bring in this stud quarterback, he winds up being the guy, but there's also the risk of getting him out there and just, being Nathan Peterman, right. you know? So like, and yeah, I go, if you want to give me the Nathan Peterman's playing in the NFL, he's the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. <laughs> uh, the absolute worst quarterback in the NFL. And he was the worst quarterback I've ever seen when he played Florida. Yep. So you don't want any situation like that, but you know, shout out to Nathan Peterman for making it to the NFL. Obviously we haven't. Um, It's very hard not to, be on the side of Harrison Bailey, but it's also, you know, I understand where Pruitt's coming from in that situation, but it's very up in the air with, uh, with Maurer. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, we've seen him. The guy keeps getting concussed. Yeah, that's somebody you don't even want to hurt physically. That's somebody you just don't even want to, I don't know. I guess why, because he's on the team, you're like, well, maybe we should just, throw him out there again and try it again. But, you know, last time against Alabama, he gets concussed. And that wound up being the heartbreaking fumble game. I went into that one. That's a little last noteworthy thing for for Pruitt is, like, I think the, the gap thing between the great talents is what people want to see much faster. And it's just not gotten any better. Where, you know, 
last well, I will just go with last year because we don't even 2018 was an absolute disaster. <laughs> and <laughs> everybody knew that. Like that's one of those if you came in that season expecting to be anything better than four and eight, get out of here. Um yep. but you know, it didn't get any better. 2019, you lose to Georgia 43-14. That was actually Mauer's first start. Um, and then, you know, this year you lose 44-21. I guess it's better. Yeah, baby. Uh, One point. It's better. It's better. Uh, now, Alabama, not so much. This is actually when Mauer got concussed and JG had the fourth fourth and goal fumble. That, this game was actually much closer than the score. Oh, yeah. This was uh, – last year it was 35-13. Like, that's the best I've ever felt after a blowout loss. It's like, you know, if Maurer would have kept going and JG's not an idiot, yep. then who knows? Um, I mean, even if even if, if JG just scored, if he hands off the ball to Crouch there, I mean, literally that was a 14-point swing. So, you you know, yeah. you switch out that score, that 35-13, that 22-point loss, all of a sudden that's an eight-point game, you know? It's crazy, you know? It's little things, and that's it. And that spread, but now this year there was nothing like that. There was never a feeling of like, well, maybe yep. it's 48-17. Never a freaking feeling. And I think but last year there was. And that's the thing is like when you're looking at this situation, you know, there was a feeling of maybe. I guess even that Georgia game, you know, that we, we went up was did we go up 14, 14 nothing? Mm, see, I don't or seven. We were we had the lead. We had the lead for sure. Even at half. I just can't remember. I think it was twenty one seventeen at half. No, no, last year was – we lost – Oh, we're about last year. Uh, not this year. Yeah, you're talking about – No, not this year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this year. But again, it was, you know, the first half with Georgia. But, uh, yeah. But that Kentucky loss, it's amazing. Like, that's the one. Like, you know, if you get blown out by Bama and Georgia. But that Kentucky loss, watching Jarrett do his thing, that's the crusher, you know? Yeah. Seeing how – just lost he is out there and how much pressure he's putting on himself as you can expect because of like every single hour of his day, he's probably getting some DM or some message and or seeing something about him or getting yelled at by this guy and this guy. Obviously some of the wide receivers are very frustrated with him there. You've seen multiple people go up to him in some sort of controversial state and really get after the kid. So I'm with you. There has to, but in all in all, there has to be some reason that he's still out there. And that's just probably something we don't see. Hmm. Yeah. I did feel like this was interesting. I don't know if you saw this, but um, Trey Wallace tweeted this earlier today. He said uh, it was Tennessee inside linebacker Quiveris Crouch on the conversations between players regarding leadership on the team. And the quote says, we've been talking I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that everything has been good, but we've been talking. We are players and we are all going to have our opinions, but the great leaders on our team and people who see things the right way are going to say, listen, man, we know that all of this is going on. We have to rally together and go finish the season strong. That's what we're going to do. Just being positive about everything because it's not the end of the world and we are getting better and better. Um, I don't know. I mean, to me, that doesn't sound like a great quote because it sounds like there's maybe some things going on behind the scenes and maybe it's just guys sick of losing. I don't know if when he's addressing the leadership, if he's talking more about the coaches or more about just the guys on the team that need to step up and be the leaders. But um, 
I don't know. I, th- I felt like that was interesting. Yeah, that is. Hmm. I don't know. Like it's uh, there's been some quotes here lately that have kind of sparked some people. Yep. You know, it's not. It's not definitely not butch talk, but you do have to have some coach speak, especially in times like these. So I don't know, man. I don't know. It's uh, it's gonna be a tough two weeks, I think, until the Arkansas game happens, and either you know. You come back off it up off a bye week, come get a big dub. If Jarrett can play reasonably well, I don't even think he. I, I think the guy, if he comes out and just has a good game, that'll ease some tension, and it's and, and it's needed because his fan base needs that. And I, I don't know how much pressure. Again, I don't know how much pressure Fulmer and Pruitt even feel if it's like, listen, man, we know what's going on. It's gonna get better before it gets worse. So. Right. Let's just let's hold strong, do our thing, and then let them let them figure out how they want to do it. But uh, yeah, anything else football related you want to talk about, buddy? No, nah, man. I think um, I think we can transition to to basketball for a second. Um, yeah, had a question for you, real quick, just based on the things that we've talked about this Tennessee program, and and kind of, I mean, obviously diving into some of the things that are going on behind the scenes and just how frustrated the fan base is. Um, what kind of season is it going to take this Tennessee basketball team having to kind of help you forget everything that you just watched and lived through um, for this 2020 football season? Cool, dude. Um, there's been a lot of little basketball tidbits come out here lately as far as even, even you know, they've done a little great job on their YouTube, like, you know, doing practice snippets and, showing different things and people coming out with articles and Rick's just a really, Rick's just a great press conference in, in itself. Like he'll answer pretty truthfully. Uh, plus, you know, he's just a good dude. Um, especially because you have high expectations here. Here we are. It's as a Tennessee fan expecting too much probably um, with such a young team. Yeah. But man, like if it's winds up being one of those and let's just, let's just hope. I think it's gonna be much tougher for college uh, especially basketball with the amount of games. But let's say we get pretty much, you know, 95% of the season done and done right. And not a lot of, not a lot of cases. And we, you know, everybody's healthy, that kind of thing. If fall goes right, I really do think this team could be awesome. I'm talking like realistically like a three seed. I think that's where my hope, Hopeful, but realism is all the same combo. So if, you know, if this team winds up being, um, you know, 25 to 27 win team, I don't don't know if they're going to be playing all those games. I can't remember how many total they're going to have right now. I can't remember. I think it's 27, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Let's say, okay, let's just say, so 20, 22 to 23. I think that's right. I thought I was going actually based off a 35 game season. Uh, you know, if you have a 22 to 23 wins and you're going to have some losses. These are young kids, but you're also going to have some guys that come around. I think it's going to take like a really good season, you know, be in the two or three seed <laughs> and, uh, probably actually I'll take a two through four for me personally. I think for most people, it's going to take some much, um, 
much more greater hopes <laughs> than to heal their hearts. From all the comments I've seen, there's going to be some tough outs, man. Um, but to get back, I think, you know, you're in that 22 wins. Probably get back to some. I think they're going to wind up doing an SEC tournament. Get back to a Final Four or a championship there. And, you know, probably make at least a Sweet 16. Yeah. And also having one of these guys wind up being some sort of star. You know, I think yeah. you need, I think star power has to come along with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. I think. What are your thoughts? Where, 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 where's your. Season. Go ahead. No, I was just fixing to say, like, what's, what's going to heal Mike Piper's heart <laughs> from this Tennessee basketball season you know, to, I, to help you get back? <laughs> I think, uh, I think for one, it's going to be seeing John Fulkerson don the orange and white and just have a, like an all SEC type season, maybe pulling mm-hmm. up, popping threes. Like we talked about that in one of our most recent podcasts, but we think that maybe he'll develop a little bit more of an outside game. So instead of just doing pick and roll, we can see some pick and pop. Um, I, I think he'll take a big step forward this year. I'm really excited to see the elements that he's able to add to his game going into the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think for me, if we made it to the final four, that would no doubt. Uh, smooth some of the pain that we've experienced. I think even the Elite Eight, just getting past the Sweet 16, we've only made it to the Elite Eight, I think, once in recent times. I think we lost to, was it Michigan State we lost to in the Elite Eight one year with Bruce Pearl? Uh, I can't remember who we lost to. Or Ohio State. Was it Ohio State? Did we beat Michigan State? No, maybe we we lost to Michigan State and beat uh, did, did we beat that uh, Evan Turner team? I believe so. Okay, so that's right. We beat them. We lost to Michigan State. You're right. Yeah. I think, was it sorry, Draymond sorry, Green sorry for me. on the team at that time? Oh, yeah, yes, yes, because uh, they called him the Dancing Bear. The and funny bear. enough, the Dancing Bear, and because his last name's Green, uh, okay, I'm not comparing myself. I'm just saying this is what my friend said. <laughs> Obviously, to a much lesser state, that's kind of who I played like. Okay, a little bit of a point forward, defensive guy. Uh, you know, not the greatest bounce in the world, right? Uh, but an okay-ish athlete, right? You know, the dancing bear, and that was a great, great nickname. And so, like in our, we had high school intramurals, which was amazing. Um, I have the, I have, I think I still have it from my buddy Trip Graham. His team, he was our he was our captain, and we were the Graham Crackers. And Ooh. I had the dancing bear on the back of my Graham Crackers t-shirt. Wow. That's a in heaven there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> back when I was a younger, more athletic young man. Well, somewhat, I guess. You look back, and you're like, oh, yeah, Draymond Green, 6'9". <laughs> Absolute <laughs> stud. Just a unit. Absolute unit. Um, But, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I th- no, you're good. I think... Uh, I think this Tennessee team, like, yeah, if we can make Elite Eight, I'll definitely be happy. I think it's definitely, uh, in my opinion, I think we're a top 12 team in the country this year. I think we're going to be, honestly, even better than people think that we're going to be, just because I think you're going to get a lot of production out of Victor Bailey Jr. I think Fulkerson's going to take a step forward. I think Pons has shown us that he's taken huge steps in his development each year that he's been here. So I I think this Tennessee team really going to surprise some people. I think it's got a good mixture a good balance of youth, 
young talent and guys that are also have a lot of experience in the SEC. Um, and of course, Rick Barnes, I think he's one of the best coaches in the SEC as well. So I think I don't see it being a top five team throughout the season. Uh, it could be, maybe it'll surprise me, but I do see it somewhere in the probably eight to 12 range. So maybe you sneak in as the tail end of the two seed or you, you know, somewhere in the threes. But yeah, I think if we have that kind of season and you have, you know, John Fulkerson and Eve Ponds and maybe big contributions from the freshmen, I think that would make this team really exciting to watch. Um, Vescovi was talking about how he's gotten a lot faster and he feels like he'll be able to play better defense, which I think that's exciting because he was such an offensive threat last season, but he was a little bit of a liability on defense at times as well. So um, I think I really think this team's going to be honestly really talented and really tough to beat. Yeah, me too. And the thing about it is, is there's there's so much depth on this team and like different types of players. Like where where you're going to get Folkies, the longer, um, really good pick and pop guy. Like I'm watching Anasiki and I'm like, oh, that dude is a force. Yeah, like that's a big body. That's a dude that's going to clean up offensive rebounds, and get putbacks. That's a guy you can throw it in the block to, and like he can score on the block. Um, there's going to be some really t- big times like where we're going to have to face some thicker boys, and Anasiki's going to be right there to match up with him. That's a that's a part where Fulkerson got bullied a couple times from from stronger guys, and that's uh, mess no knock on him. I think he's a pretty solid defensive player. You know, he's going to get you some block shots. The guy, you know, had a North Carolina basketball record for a long time, but. Um, and I think he's going to come help us a lot. I Eves is Eves, you know, like, you know, if he can continue to get better, if he made the same amount of progress from the year before to last year, and then this year to from last year to this year, I mean, it's going to be awesome. This dude's going to be a stud. Right. And then also these freshmen are again, amazing. Sounds like Springer's a really tough guard. Really tough combo guard, slightly leaning on the point guard side if you want to give him some sort of like slider scale. And then watching Josiah James, I saw that little pra- – do you watch that practice video? No, I missed it. Okay. So, if you get a chance, just watch Trey Laws, you know, post this little practice video. And like, you know, Viscovi's a smaller guy. I get that. But he's still probably six foot, six foot one. And he's a little slightly built. But there was a video of a point where – it was on an inbound of a Scovey was on offense and Josiah James is covering him. And man, he's not quite ease pawns, but that dude has really hit the weight room and looks great. Yep. And I know I don't mean, I don't want to be that guy that's like, well, that picture, he's going to be an awesome basketball player. You already know Josiah is pretty good. This dude's got a natural frame that, you know, it's going to be really tough. Like if he locks it in and he figures it out defensively and he can handle the ball, that dude's going to be tough. If anything, he winds up being a defender that people are just like, are you kidding me? They've got, they can, you know, people talked about, obviously this is going to be a total lesser scale. So I'm not comparing them. I'm just saying at the beginning of the season, when people were talking about the guards um, from the Clippers, like, Oh my gosh, if I use this screen, I've got Eve's pawns cover me now. I use this screen. I've got freaking, uh, um, well, just lost my train of thought. My goodness. Um, I've got Johnson cover me. I've got whoever else. And these guys are just all links and yep. I, it's going to be so tough, man. It's going to be so tough for all these cats to, 
try to play the pick and roll game. I think everybody on this team's going to be really good defensively. Um, I know Viscobi's still going to be that guy, but if he's gotten better, then you don't have to worry about that so much. This is not the NBA where everybody can take you off the bounce or everybody can post you up or everybody can shoot. Like, you know, you're able to hide a guy every once in a while. And uh, I just think this team's going to be really good. Uh, hear me out. Do you think this team takes the Kentucky style progression because it's a little bit younger because of like, you know, they'll be okay at the beginning of the season, but then by the end of it, like the tail end, they just wind up being so much better. Do you think there's that kind of progression this season from them? Yeah. I mean, I think to some degree, I think that um, this team is one that will progress over the course of the season. I think that in general, you've got more experienced talent than most of those Kentucky teams have. Um, so I think you won't see quite as big of a swing in how the performances go from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. But I do think this is a team that likely will be playing its best basketball um, come you know February, March, which is right where you want to be. Um, and I think the teams that you've seen, like Villanova's and, and, and Gonzaga and, and the, these teams that have traditionally done well in the tournament, a lot of times they have a really good mixture of you know, senior experience or junior experience, and then also some young guards that kind of can turn it on through the course of the season. Um, so I think we've got a good mix, and I feel confident heading into the, the season that this team's going to be one that I think really will achieve and um, probably you know have a top 10, top 15 team. I would say, I don't want to say for sure, but I would feel almost like very, very confident in betting Tennessee um, Tennessee being a top 15 team this basketball yeah. season. So Yeah, and if anything, the schedule is going to prove out to be one of those things. There's going to be a lot of chances to win big games and not lose bad ones. You know? yep. So that helps. It's a, it's a committee thing. It's a ranking thing. It helps you no matter what, and that's your circumstance, and it'll be big for them. Um, last question tonight. I want to make it a fun one in a little – well, in on a thinker, I don't know if it's going to be a happy note or not. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. I hope everybody understands the circumstance I'm putting this in. All right, the question is, if you could only watch one Tennessee football match for the rest of your life, you can't watch any other games the rest of that season. The rest of your life, you can only watch one game each year. One team versus one team Tennessee. Hmm. Who's that going to be? You can have, I'll give you a caveat. You can even, you can kind of know how the rest of the season goes. You just can't watch any of those games. Who are you watching? Um, man. Whew. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with, I think. <laughs> we don't know. I don't, man. Well, I had to answer because we talked about this before the show and in my mind, I was going one direction, but the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to sign on for that, to be honest. Um, so I'll just I'll talk through my my I guess my thought process. Yeah. So everybody, let us, let us roll with you. We're, we're all here with you because I think everybody's spinning their wheels right now too. Yeah, right. Okay. So I was gonna say Alabama um, because traditionally that's been the best rivalry in the SEC. Um, also, I don't know if this is a caveat or not, but if Tennessee gets to an SEC championship in sometime in our lifetimes. Um, I think there's a decent chance that, you know, it would be against Alabama. So not only am I going to get to watch the third Saturday in October, but then hypothetically, if Tennessee were to return back to glory, 
um, and make it to the SEC championship, maybe even win an SEC championship, I was thinking about picking a cross-divisional rivalry in hopes that I would also get to see that game, you know? But yeah. at the same time, what's it been? 16 years, 17 years? Like, it's been, I don't know, maybe it hasn't been quite that long, but I think it has been. I want to say yeah. 16 years. It might have been 17. 16. But 16, yeah. Either way, we're approaching two decades without beating Alabama, and they're not really showing any signs of slowing down, and we're not really showing a lot of signs of speeding up. So um, because I'm soft, <laughs> uh, I'm not actually going to say that. I'm going to say Alabama just because I'm a believer, and I'm going to I'm gonna choose to think that one day we're going to be beating Alabama again, and one day we might actually make the SEC championship again, and I want to be able to see it happen. I love that. Hmm. So I'm deciding between two. I couldn't pick Alabama because I'm with you. I, if if COVID, COVID like went away faster with Trump and Saban than any other person I've ever I've ever seen. You know. Yep. Like they they killed COVID. Uh, so I, I don't want to pick that because I guess that dude's never gonna die. <sighs> so I'm deciding between Florida and Georgia. Okay. So the Florida one is also similar. It's like, do I want to continue to watch this? But I look forward to that Florida game so much because I want to beat them so bad. But then I'm so depressed because obviously it's one in the last 19 years. Right. Right. Something like that. One in the last, maybe oh, 14 yep. years for that one. 14. Well, Sorry. I think, I, I want to say, did we beat them in 04? I think we beat them in 04. Maybe not. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So last 14 or 15 years, whatever. What's all we got is one out of that. Yep. It's a long time. So I kind of want to do that one. But then also, like, I feel like, except for these last two or three years, there's been so many good Georgia games that we could potentially get back to that. And you just watch a great game every year. I think I'm picking Florida because they're my least favorite of all the teams. So anytime we beat them or Tennessee beats them, then my heart's going to feel good for the rest of the year. Like it's same with, I don't know if you want to call it whatever, but I'm a huge Carolina, Carolina basketball and, you know, pretty decent football fan, but Carolina basketball, we could go two and 32 and two of those wins be Duke. I call it a good year. You know, yeah. just the way I am. Yep. So I kind of feel that same way about Florida. I think I'd pick Florida and just go through that torment over and over again. Um. Yeah, I think I would, and you know, just live in the glory for, you know, one every three or four years now. It's kind of what it seems like we're comparatively to them. What I think it's going to wind up happening is, I think we're, I think this Tennessee team is going to get better, and I think that you know Florida is going to be Florida at some points. So you're going to have some rough years, you're going to have some good years, and I think we're going to get back to even keel there. So we're going to we're going to steal away from Florida. So I think that's what I'm going to go with because that's probably my most hated team, and I need to watch that game. And um, I think I like I think I like the emotional roller coaster of it. Hey, it's weird. It's weird. And I don't know if that's like a hey you should, should probably get help for that, but. Right. That's how I feel. Hey, I can dig it, man. I hate Florida. I would love to see Tennessee beat Florida. And I think it's a little more likely that we'll be able to beat Florida in the near future than it is Alabama. So, yep. yeah, I mean, I, I can dig that. I can respect it. So I think it's a good way to end the podcast, actually. I feel like, 
you know, we got to cover a lot and um, feel good about, I don't know, talking about UT basketball, UT football, and feel like kind of ended on a semi-positive note. We did. I really do feel like we did. And um, this, you know, this is about to be fun too, man. Chat 10 Sports really taking off. Got some, uh, got a big guest coming next week on Tighten Up Talk. And also got a new sponsor headed our way, which Mike Pipe are going to be the freshest around. Gliding, <laughs> striding. I can't wait to release that. It's going to be awesome, dude. Yeah. The, 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 the amount of reads, I can't wait for it, man. I can't, we're going to have, me, me and Mike are going to advertise the crap out of this company. And it's going to be fun to get creative with it. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't wait, boys and girls. Ahead, Sorry. Man. Good times. And uh, shout out to that company that's going to sponsor us that will uh, give you a real shout out here shortly. Yeah, I can't wait, man. So as always, peeps, welcome to Valhalla. <laughs>